Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's word to be empowered and challenged today. Thankfulness hacks from the Apostle Paul. This week in your F260, you'll be reading from Colossians 1. And as we go into Thanksgiving week, you know, we're automatically thinking about gratitude and giving thanks. And there's been so many studies done on the benefits of gratitude like being a thankful person is actually good for your health right it's actually good for your health it's good for your mental health your physical well-being and we are going to be talking about hacks you know you you see these videos come up that are like life hacks and it's like you know some of them are like ridiculous like here's how to make a thousand dollars off a coke bottle and you're like oh that doesn't really work but you know you know the life hacks it's like little tricks to make things easier to, to have insight. And today we're going to be talking about thankfulness hacks from the Apostle Paul as we read through Colossians 1 through 20. And so I'm just going to pray for us, and then we'll read Colossians 1, 1 through 20. God, we thank you for your word, and we ask simply this morning that you would change our hearts, that we might think differently, that we might live differently, that we might love differently, that we might be thankful people. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Colossians 1, 1 through 20. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we have not stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. 
He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The word of God. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about how to win the day before you even get out of bed. That sounds pretty good, right? How do you win your day before you even get out of bed? And he said that one thing that he has found is a gratitude hack, a thankfulness hack. And before he gets out of bed, he decides to look at all the blessings that God has given him and develop a heart of gratitude before he even gets out of bed. So as he lays there, he thinks about his wife who's there next to him. He thinks about his children. He, he thinks about the job that he has. And he gets thankful. He get, develops his heart of gratitude before he even gets out of bed. And I started to think about that and what I would be thankful for. And I'm wondering what you would be thankful for if you thought about three things maybe that you wanted to get uh, thankfulness for in your heart before you even got to get out of bed. But, but I, I have to admit... Um, At the very same time that I was growing in thankfulness, I also had this low-grade anxiety kind of rising up in my heart as I was talking to him. And the reason was, I realized, the reason was is because everything that I found that I could be thankful for is also something that I was fearful of losing. I mean, we've been through a rough 18 months. We've seen people lose their lives. We've seen people lose their livelihoods. Some of you have um, had to end marriages that you did not want to end. Some of you have lost jobs. You know, and as I begin to think about, like, being thankful for the things that I have in my life, as much as it made me thankful, it also made me a little anxious. Because at the very same time, I was afraid of losing the things that I was thankful for. And maybe you're not as messed up as I am. Maybe you're not as anxious as me. But that's where I found myself in that conversation And I I realized something. I realized that what we tend to do is we tend to look at all the material blessings in our life and then look at those things, all the things that we can see in our life, and then we sort of imagine that onto God and go, well, we're thankful for these things. I am thankful for my my wife. I am thankful for my children. I am thankful for for all these things. And because I have these things, God is good. But the Apostle Paul does something that's almost the exact opposite. And and if we're willing to go there with him, we'll find a thankfulness hack that actually goes beneath the things that we can see. Deeper than the anxiety that we experience about losing those things. Uh, See, what Paul does is, while he's in prison, and his life doesn't seem to be going very well, You and I, if we were in his spot, we might not have much to be thankful for. But Paul, in this letter, as he writes from prison, he's very thankful, and here's why. By faith, he chooses to see spiritual things that are unseen. Rather than focusing simply on the material blessings in his life 
or lack of material blessings in his life, by faith, he sees spiritual things. Let me explain. When I was in high school, I was in a play. And my friends and I were in this play, and the director, I mean, she almost, you know, had a stroke just because of how crazy my friends and I were. It was the worst idea she had to bring us into the play. Because we were just wild. We were wild high school boys, and trying to direct us in this play was just awful. I feel bad for her now. But one of the interesting things about this play was halfway on the stage, there was this massive drop screen. And if you were on this side of the screen and the lights were on out here, but the lights were off behind the drop screen, all you could see was the mural on the screen. But as soon as you turn the lights off out there and you turn the lights on back here, all of a sudden it was as if the drop screen disappeared and you could see right through it. You could see to the other side. Now my friends and I knew this And so when the lights were on out there, as we were getting ready for our scene behind the screen, the lights were off back here, and we would be like wrestling each other and punching each other. And the director would be like, oh my gosh, like, boys, stop. And we would do it right up until the lights turned on back here. And as soon as the lights turned on, we would stop wrestling and we'd be like ready to go. And we did this over and over again, and she hated us for it, which I understand. Um, But that idea of like what you can see on this side And what you can see on that side is kind of what Paul's getting at when he talks about his thankfulness hack. Because most of us only see what's out here, like what's material in our world, the blessings that we have that we can taste or touch or or we can talk to. But what Paul does, what his hack really is, is accessing everything that's behind the screen, that's in God's realm, by faith, and then grabbing hold of it and saying, I'm going to live on this side knowing that the stuff back there is true. How does he do that? Well, well, the ways that he grabs hold of these things, his thankfulness hack is to grab hold of God's realities, to grab hold of God's actions, and to grab hold of God's son. First of all, Paul grabs hold of God's realities from the other side. That is to say, he has a thankful heart because his heart is attached to spiritual realities that are on God's side of things. If you notice in verse three through five, he mentions faith, hope, and love. Now, faith, hope, and love are blessings, but they're not new car kind of blessings. They're not waiting for that perfect person to marry type of blessing. They're God's type of blessings. Faith, hope, In love, they're spiritual things. And what Paul says is those are the things that give him thanks. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, in our culture, we talk about faith, right? You just got to believe, have faith. But when the Bible talks about faith, it's something very specific. Our faith is in Jesus who died on the cross, who rose from the dead and is now entered into the heavenly realm behind the screen and he represents us before God. Our active trust 
is not that the universe is going to work things out for us, but that Jesus is ruling and reigning behind the scenes. And when you access that by faith, it changes the way you live. It changes the way you live because you live with thankfulness that your Savior has secured a spot for you in heaven. And as Paul sees the Colossians living out this reality, their faith in Jesus Christ, it makes them thankful. Because our faith isn't just in something, it's in someone. And that someone is king. Paul says that he grabs hold of God's reality of faith, but then also the reality of love. He says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Now, when we think of love, we tend to think of falling in love. We think of a feeling of affection. And that's not what that word is. When the Bible talks about love, it usually means agape love. It's a heavenly love that has come to earth through Jesus Christ. It's sacrifice. Jesus gave up his position behind the curtain to enter into our world and die for sinners like you and me. That is love. And now as a community, as a church, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, we are those who live out that love to each other. Not a feeling, but sacrificing and serving one another. See, so often in the church, we tend to grab hold of each other's failures rather than grabbing hold of each other in love. But let me tell you, grabbing hold of each other in love cannot happen unless there's failure present. The reason that Jesus came and loved us because we had failed God. We had fallen short of the glory of God and it was in that failure that Jesus came and loved us by dying in our place. And as Paul sees the reality of love in the Colossians community, he is thankful because he knows that that is love that's not made up by them. It comes from God. That's why in verse 8 he says it's love in the Spirit. The reality of faith, the reality of love, and then the reality of hope. Paul says, because of the hope reserved for you, in heaven. Now, when the Bible talks about hope, again, it's not just something like we hope everything works out. It's something concrete and specific, that Jesus Christ will return one day. He will come back from the realm where we cannot see him, and he will be visibly present in our world, and he will renew, and he will restore all things, and there will be no more crying, and there will be no more pain, and there will be no more tears when Christ comes back. And God's reality will be rejoined with our reality. The curtain will disappear and heaven will come to earth in the new city. And as Paul sees the hope, he is thankful. See, for Paul's first thankfulness hack is to grab hold of God's realities behind the curtain and make them his own. But here's the secret. Did you, did you notice how he does it? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray. Isn't that interesting? Prayer, in a sense, is kind of like the portal between our realm and the heavenly realm. It's the touch point between 
heaven and earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's your prayer life? As you think about wanting to become a thankful person, do you connect that at all with prayer? Paul does. Paul's method for grabbing hold of God's realities is to get down on his knees and thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But his second hack is this, to grab hold of God's actions, to grab hold of God's actions. In verse 12 through 14, it says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you, enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now that wording that Paul uses in verse 12 through 14, it's it's covenantal language. It's language that sounds similar to the story of the Old Testament. He's reminding us that Israel was once oppressed in Egypt, and they needed to be rescued from slavery to the Egyptians, and that they were freed and transferred out of bondage and out of slavery and brought into the promised land. And he's using that language to help us see what God has done for us in the gospel, that you and I were in bondage to Satan, that we needed redemption from our sins, but because Jesus Christ has died on our behalf, we've been transferred out of Satan's kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son that God loves. That is what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Have you grabbed hold of that? Have you grabbed hold of God's actions for you? Like, does it resonate in your heart Does it resonate in your heart that he's done this for you? Because if it does, it will produce thanks in you. So so how do you get there? How do you grab hold of God's actions? Well, Paul tells us just a few verses out of our passage in verse 21 through 22. The key is the but now. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. In other words, even though these folks are saved, Paul's reminding them that they used to not be saved. But now, but now because of what Christ has done, what God has done in acting through Christ, they are saved holy, faultless, and blameless before him. When I was in my early 20s, I hung out with these guys who were a little bit older than me who had really latched on to this idea of but now. And it got a little weird, but it really captured my heart. I remember one time I was walking in the church and I saw Rod. And at the time I was probably 25 and Rod was probably 55. And Rod asked me, how are you doing, John? I said, I'm doing good, works a little hard. And I said, Rod, how are you doing? And he said, you know, I saw my sin today. I saw part of my sinful heart today. And it just reminded me that I deserve wrath and God's judgment for eternity as when Jesus comes back and pours out all his wrath on sin. And I was like, 
did you catch the Lakers game last night? Like, I don't, I don't know how to... And Rob was serious, and he goes, but now, because Jesus has died in my place, the wrath of God has been absorbed for me. I'm no longer on, under God's judgment. I'm a child of God. I get to spend eternity with God because I'm reconciled with him. And I was like, amen. Have you grabbed on to what God has done for you? Maybe you need to remember what it was like before and then say, but now. Grab hold of that for yourself, but let me encourage you to grab hold of it for others as well. Grab hold of the but now for others as well, because here's the truth. This week is Thanksgiving, and as you sit around that crazy that Thanksgiving table, you're going to hear some people say some crazy things that you don't agree with. And your spouse might reach over and like grab your hand like, please don't say anything back. Please don't make it more awkward here. But, but when that happens, when people say stuff that we don't agree with, we tend to lose sight of what God has done for that other follower of Jesus Christ, don't we? And we tend to define them not by what God has done for them, but what's coming out of their mouth, the foolishness that's coming out of their mouth. But I want you to notice something. When Paul writes this first chapter and he's giving thanks and giving thanks and giving thanks, he has beef with the Colossians that comes in chapter two. Like when he gets to chapter two and three, he, he corrects them on some stuff because they believed that like Jesus, following Jesus was okay, but they needed to add all these spiritual experiences to them to make their following Jesus more legit. And Paul's like, that's not the gospel. Yet even though he has beef with them that he's going to bring up, he still gives thanks for them. And the reason is, is because he sees what God has done for them. He sees them in light of God's actions, that God has redeemed them. They're part of God's people. They are children of God too. The only way that you can really do that is if, if you notice that these are actions not of an unknowable universe, but of a knowable God. When we talk about accessing these things by faith, what's behind the curtain, we're not talking about pretending that there's something there when there's really not. Nor are we talking about faking it till you make it. We are talking about knowing a relational, personal God of the universe who knows everything about you. And that by Jesus Christ's work, you get to know that personal, relational God as well. Look what he says in verse 9 and verse 10. We haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge. That is the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, you can know God so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in what? The knowledge of God. That there is a God of the universe who we cannot see, but he's real and he's knowable and we can know what he thinks and we can know what he feels and we can know what he's done and we can know his actions. See, see some people in the midst of like life and wanting to develop thankfulness, they'll say something like, trust the universe. Let me tell you something. The universe is not personal. 
It's not relational. It's not knowable. But God is. But God is. He's personable. He's he's knowable. He's relational. And we know this because he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And that's Paul's last hack. His last hack, hack number three, is to grab hold of God's son. Now, you don't see it on the slides when we read this, but if you look at this particular section, verse 15 through 20 in your Bible, you'll notice that it's indented. Like it's indented from the rest. It's like a quotation or something. And the reason that it's indented is because we believe that this was actually a song. That these words that I'm about to read were a hymn. They were a hymn that were meant to help people grab hold of who Jesus was and produce thankfulness in their heart that they got to have relationship with Jesus, who's the king of the universe. And here's what that hymn is about. That hymn is about Jesus who is the super reality in the whole universe. Now, I got that phrase, super reality, from Ray Ortland. And what it means is this. You and I go through life, and we go, okay, John, I get it. You're saying there's all this God stuff behind the veil, and I can't see it, but come on, really? Like, I got bills to pay. I got relationships that are falling apart. That's what's really real. And Paul says, no. And that's real. But what's really real The super reality in our universe is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And so look what he says in verse 15. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and by him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Everything that God's reality is, everything that God is behind the veil came out of the veil in Jesus Christ. And now the most real thing in the universe is Jesus Christ, King of all. That's amazing to think about. That's amazing to think about. I would have loved to have been with the first Christians who sang this hymn and hear the thankfulness in their voice. Grab hold onto Jesus the super reality because he holds all things in his grip and he holds on to you. He holds on to you. The one who has his universe, the universe in his hand also has you in his grip. He is the super reality. And Paul goes on to say in verse 20 that God reveals his plans through Jesus to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, what I love about this verse is that God is revealing his plans because nothing can stop it. You've heard people say, listen, if you're going to make some moves in life, don't tell nobody. Just roll up in that new car. Don't tell anybody that you want that promotion. Just get it. Don't tell anybody that you're trying to save this much money. Once you get it, just flaunt it. Because if you reveal your plans, someone might mess it up. But here God tells us exactly what he's going to do. He 
because Satan can't mess it up. The brokenness and evil in this world can't mess it up. You and I can't mess it up. God shares all his plans because it cannot be stopped. Through Jesus Christ, he is reconciling sinners to himself. He is renewing all of creation. Heaven will rejoin earth one day and evil will be banished forever. And you get to be part of it. You get to be part of it. So grab hold of God's son. Do that by grabbing hold of the cross. That's what Paul ends with here. He says, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, you and I were God's enemies, but now we're his friends. You and I were called sinners, but now we're called sons and daughters. Jesus has come from the other side and has reconciled us. So as you think about growing as a person of thankfulness, See the things that you cannot see. With eyes of faith, grab hold of God's realities. Grab hold of his actions, but mostly grab hold of his son, Jesus. Because it's in Jesus that we see the great love of God for sinners like us. And our hearts can rest with thankfulness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you that you are the one with the most authority in the universe. And yet you're the one full of love for sinners like us. Lord, we're so thankful for what you've done. And all God's people said, man, let's stand and be thankful. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.